The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. From the Philadelphia Eagles to the Kansas City Chiefs, a former University of Alabama standout, what's known as the Mighty Mouse, number 29, Mark McMillan! And also we have Mr. BNE, the man in the middle. From the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Byron Evans. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters, put them up, tighten up, we some hard hitters, Mark McMillan, my man Byron Evans, we give you a reason to tune in every Friday evening, ain't nobody leaving, if he's pushing Phoenix, we're bringing the cutting edge, on this boy season, Phoenix alone, show them how it's done, we're on, VoiceAmericaSports.com. Exciting show. I was off last week. I was down in Pasadena for all the listeners out there. We had a great time. Uh, once again, Alabama wins its number 13 national championship, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of SEC guys. So I feel, I feel right at home. Down home south, I got my man Corey Chavis, formerly of the Phoenix, Arizona Cardinals, Minnesota Vikings, and the Rams. Got my man Ray Knock Thompson also, formerly of University of Tennessee. I know we got we might have some callers calling in about that Tennessee <laughs> subject. There. We might have some callers coming. He was actually a part of that national championship team down when they came down here in the uh, Tempe. It was Tempe, so they uh, he's got a ring. You know that was that was big. That was big. So definitely excited to have these guys in the house. My man B and E is out on his. I think it's his fourteenth year being married. So this is our anniversary. Wow. So uh, so I, I'm not even mad. My man not even showing up today. So <laughs> you can put in 14 years, brother. And, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, that's my man right there. So B&E, if you're out there listening, man, uh, have a good time wherever you guys at. I know you're out there doing something big with the wifey. Make sure you take care of the wifey. Tell the kids to come over, man. If y'all want to, you know, do y'all thing at the crib. Had a wifey cook some, some catfish. If you're cooking some catfish, though, you know you got to invite your boy over. Because I got to get some catfish. But like I said, we got an exciting show today. We're definitely excited. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, first, I want to start off to, uh, you know, send my condolences and prayers over to the, all the people over there in Haiti uh, with the tragedy that's going on over there today. Uh, there's so many uh, organizations that's out there raising money. Uh, if you've got a couple of dollars, if you're out there in the club, you can buy a $20 drink or a $40, $100 pair of shoes. You should be able to uh, reach down in your pocket and at least give 5 or $10 uh, to these people over there suffering, don't even have food or water. You know, we kind of take it for granted on a daily basis. We sit here with coffee in front of us and a glass of water. Those people are drinking water out of out of the sewage. So that's uh, you know, I want to start off with that. And uh, and uh, and uh, my man Teddy Pendergrass. We lost Teddy Pendergrass. Wow. Another love TKO. Yeah, that that's, was that was big right there. Yeah, that's and I, it meant a, a guy that was talking at work today. I was like, man, shoot, you know, back in the day, you didn't have to say nothing. You just put it on, and uh, Teddy did the talking for you. <laughs> you know, she, she might look at you like, are you going to say that? No, no, shut up. You're just going to listen to Teddy. <laughs> going to let Teddy. Teddy going to drive us right into where we need to go. So uh, big up to my man, Teddy Printergrass. May he rest in peace. Uh, prayers go out to him and his family. So, I, you know, I'd like to give a little shout-out to everybody before we start talking about sports and, and what's going on today. Uh, we're sitting up around like we had a little round table. It's like that when you uh, around, you know, former athletes. There's always a different aspect on it. Uh, I know you and Ray Knock, and we were going back and forth about this uh, arenas deal. 
<laughs> now, every day, you know, something is coming up different. What, what, what is your take on that, Corey? Well, I, I tell you what, man. First of all, before I talk about it, really, I, I'm I'm real excited to be on this show. I, I was a for all of your listeners out there. I was a, a huge Mark McMillan fan. I had a lot of respect for him when I played. Watched his tape. I tried to get anything I could when I first came to the league. I remember watching him against Dallas and and Troy Aikman and, and Michael Irvin early in my career, and uh, just marveling at how easy he made it look out there. Because I came into the league as a corner, so. Uh, Mighty Mouse was truly mighty uh, <laughs> among NFL circles. And I just want to give those props out. Thanks for having me. But in um, terms of uh, arenas, I'm going to make this quick. I don't know uh, if we can make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can make that quick. <laughs> well, I'll I, I tell you what. Uh, arenas has um, been a, a mercurial figure uh, <laughs> during this time in the NBA, to say the least, even going back to Golden State. And um, I was surprised he left from out there. And when he got to Washington, uh, you're talking about a guy that averaged 28 points a game. So, I mean, I think people there uh, with the Wizards organizations are, are vastly disappointed by this. But with that being said, six months, uh, I mean, that may be the, the biggest interception he's pulled, and he's been among the league leaders in steals his whole career. <laughs> sounds, but that was that was something else. Yeah, yeah, like I said, we'll talk about that right now. What's your, we, cause we, it was like a, it was like a, it got, it got kind of heated in, 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 the, uh, in the living room the other day. It was a bad situation, you know. Uh, Lane Kiffin, um, just one year as the uh, AD <laughs> Express, <laughs> it was brief, real brief. <laughs> so uh, it was just a bad situation all around for the student athletes first. Those guys who going up on a visit this this Friday, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if they finalized the deal with Louisiana uh, Tech coach, um, but they trying to get that finalized, and we want to have a coach in place. So, you know, we we have something to tell these guys when they come up to the University of Tennessee for their visit today that, you know, we still we still going to be uh, rolling rolling ahead. And um, it's just a minor setback that Lane Kiffin went back to the West Coast. So if that's where his heart uh, was at. So um, just want to wish him the best, and we just got to move on and continue doing the SEC thing. Yeah, that's a, that was a big deal. Uh, you know, it, it's, by us playing in the SEC, we know how serious they take football. Uh, you can be one and done real quick. And uh, Lane came in. He stirred, he stirred up a lot of drunk. Uh, He's talking about uh, Urban Myers down in Florida. Uh, threw a couple of jabs at my man Saban. Uh, came in and threw a lot of jabs at a lot of people. He Even stirred up Steve Spurry said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "If you go to South Carolina, you're gonna be pumping gas." So, uh, <laughs> he he ain't pulling no punches now. So uh, he stirred up a lot and just left us with a lot of trash to take out on trash day. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, and like I said, being in the SEC, uh, if you don't win, uh, you're going to be out of there real fast. And you know that was a that was one of the top programs. You know, every every team, uh, you know, you look on the schedule, you see Tennessee. You know, you got to go out there and, and bring your lunch. And not no pun intended. Uh, even Vanderbilt, you know, Corey went to Vanderbilt. A lot of people, you know, Vanderbilt is not like uh, you know they're not up for the for the national title every year. But we knew uh, whether it's from Kentucky to Vanderbilt, you knew every you know from week to week you had to play football. And and it showed uh, this this year, and it's been showing the last five or six years in the title game. Uh, whichever team wins the SEC championship goes on to win the national championship. I tell you, it's interesting you brought that point up because uh, me and Ray and I were talking today about the the Kiffin situation. I was doing a, a little bit of a, a question and answer, just wanted to get a little bit more of a feel for how he felt as a Tennessee alum. Mm-hmm. And just two years ago, before former obviously had the, the poor year where he ended up getting ousted or, or what have you. Uh, but the year before that, this team was in the SEC championship game. Right. 
and and they actually won a bowl game. They beat Wisconsin, the twenty right. fourth ranked team in the nation. So when you look at Tennessee, are they that much? Uh, have they fallen that far from grace? I just feel like when you look at where USC is at this year, and then just a couple of years ago, this team was in the SEC championship. They made a decent rebound this year going to the Peach Bowl. I mean, how different are these two programs right now? I think that's something else that you got to monitor down the road. I'm just looking at the past decade, where we came from when the BCS first started. What people forget, we're the first outright national, I mean, the BCS national champion right. as soon as the BCS started. And um, my first three years, we was always in a BCS game. So now you have the Tennessee boosters and alum, they expect to go into a a BCS right. bowl game, so the expectations is high. So it's going to be that way. Recruiting just, fell off, though, wouldn't y'all agree? At Tennessee, I, I think I, recruiting I, fell off a little bit. I would think some of the players that they were normally getting, uh, they wasn't getting those type players uh, lately. Uh, ever since uh, you know Fulmer started uh, going down, it seemed like some of the players start. Uh, and then Nick Saban came onto the scene, and and Nick started getting guys uh, that he normally wasn't getting. You know, when Shula was there at Alabama, he he wasn't getting those guys, and and Nick's getting those guys. Those guys are going to Florida. Uh, same thing with uh, Bowden down in Florida State. You know, he's not getting the same kind of players that he was normally getting. And, and the program suffers on that. And, uh, you know, USC uh, is going to be pretty interested in see how, how, how they bounce back because right now the University of Oregon are getting some of the players that they normally get, and, and even uh, Sarkeesian down there at the University of Washington. I think you make a great point there. When you look at Oregon's roster, most of their players come from the state of California. They they go down five south and they rob northern California <laughs> and, and Cal Berkeley of some players as well. So right. uh, I think that was a very legitimate point about what they've done and the fact that they were in the Rose Bowl this year. And you can't forget that there's a lot of early deflections from USC to the NFL. So Lane Kiffin is not walking into – uh, a smooth uh, backyard to me in terms of the grass being cut. Uh, there's some weeds he's got to clean up there, and we already know about the allegations that he's walking into. He's a walking allegation, and now he's walking right. into some more. And he's walking back into the same <laughs> allegations that he left because he was there when the situations was going on with Reggie Bush and all the allegations. But um, I don't know if he thought that the situation was just going to go away. It's just going to uh, manifest and just grow bigger into something epic, and you know, um, just got to wait and see how it turns out. And, and you know, Mike way. Mike Garrett, obviously, uh, you know, with the hire of uh, Pete Curl, uh, that was a great hire, one of the best hires, that, you know, football I've seen since I would say Meyer in Florida and, and Saban down in Alabama. Uh, you know, for to hire Kiffin, and then you know, the big news, uh, everybody was speculating that Child was going to go uh, be with USC, which would have been a huge positive for for the young quarterback Barkley. Uh, he knows Norm Chow. Uh, he's he's an offensive guru as far as the college level. And when he turned down the job, uh, it's almost like, uh, what does he know that we don't know? Mm-hmm. I, I think you hit it on the head. I, and, and, and Norm Chow uh, would, would yearn to work with the kid like this. Right. So, for like you said, for him to turn it down, uh, there's some talk on the West Coast that, that Kiffin may have not gotten everything, just like he didn't know what Orgeron was maybe doing. <laughs> and they were off base. He may be a little bit off base with what's going on out West. That's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty interesting. And like you know, we talk about college football. Uh, I know you got a lot of things that you got going on. Uh, you got the you got the Madden. You got the Corey Chavis Cruiser out there. <laughs> and, you know, I, I thought he was going. He's like you know, my man Ray's like, where are they at? And I'm thinking like, you know, they might be driving one of Ray Knox's cars or something. But I look outside, I see the big bus. What's the big bus about? Well, I mean, it's it's our form of uh, guerrilla marketing. Um, I, I've been my website uh, draftnasty.com has been in existence since September the fourth, and, uh, and I teamed up with Coaches Inc., uh, several NFL retired coaches and scouts, 
even uh, picked up some scouts who were fired from some NFL teams in the recession. And uh, we went out and covered between five and seven games this year. And uh, and basically, uh, we're a year-round uh, scouting website that uh, focuses on live video journalistic reviews and, and basically kind of keeping up with some of those players that the fans don't get to hear a lot about of in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And and I seen you yesterday. You're breaking down film. You had you had film of Barry Sanders. He, 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 he went way he went way back to Barry Sanders, which was a great highlight tape. I wish I can get a, get a hold of that. Show my little dude, you know. Show my little dude like this is this is a real deal. This is the kind of players that we uh, you know we went up against, and uh, you know we take it. Uh, we're talking about uh, the receivers uh, of today. Uh, we we threw around a, a name of Fifth Juro, who's obviously uh, you know he's one of the top receivers in the league and. Um, in our era, we played against you know guys that that's in the Hall of Fame and that's put up great numbers. Um, you played on on the other side of a great cornerback who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, Aeneas Williams as well. Uh, just talk about your tenure at, at Arizona and and just another uh, thank you for like you said but for being on the show and and I've always uh, admired your work as well. Uh, big, strong, physical corner. Uh, I wasn't blessed with those attributes and uh, Aeneas was more like. Um, Pretty much my type of guy, but he he is he was physical, he was strong. Uh, just watching you uh, and knowing that you were watching me, it's almost like uh, it's a competition, you know. It's almost like you know. I'm sure when Kobe has a ball, uh, some guys may be watching him, but uh, I was watching your game, and uh, you know, sometimes you think like, wow, if I was that big, I'd be a beast. You know, what I'm saying and I know some guys just say, man, if I was that quick, you know, I'll be, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be that. So uh, it was definitely a pleasure watching you play uh, on on Sundays, and like I said, playing on the other side of Aeneas. Uh, you know that that had to be uh, you know a pretty good remarkable thing as well. It was a challenge. I mean, you you played along some corners, and I remember you had I think eight picks and three to the house one year. I don't even know what year that was, and, and several other high interception totals even in Philadelphia. But um, you know, when you get challenged, uh, it, like you talked about attributes, being able to plant and drive and make them pay a little bit. Uh, was one of your strengths, and 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 that's what I tried to do. I probably didn't finish as many plays I would have liked to out there, and uh, and that was the case of a lot of former Cardinals. Uh, but I tell you one thing though, um, we I, got, with, I don't mean to cut you off. But okay. we, we we got a special caller, and I'm sure we're probably gonna recognize this. Can you put him in? Are you out there on the line? Hey guys, hey, what's going on? Can you say your name, please? I got I got a special guest, two special guests, some of your from your players. What's up, little Mike? This is Larry Simmons, man. How you doing today? What's going on, <laughs> man? <laughs> hey, I appreciate you calling in, man. I got Ray Knock Thompson in here, and I got my man C. Chase also. I got my man Isaiah, my little dude over there always playing PlayStation, keeping it on lock, man. Well, I appreciate you calling in. No problem, man. Hey, it's been a while since we've talked. Larry Sinners. My, uh, it's, uh, it's been a good time to catch up. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, we're, we're giving out a lot of accolades, but uh, when you talk about fullbacks – and you talk about uh, Hall of Fame numbers. Uh, you, you know, we always joked about it, and you always, uh, you know, was kind of modest and, and kind of biased about it. But the numbers that you put up uh, definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Not even the numbers, just the the style of play. Uh, you were definitely one of the red dots that we always marked when we were in Philadelphia. Like, man, you we can't just one guy is just not going to bring him down, and he's not going to run around you. Uh, He's gonna to try to run through you. <laughs> he's gonna to try to step on you, <laughs> and he's yeah, gonna right. get he's gonna get right back up. So uh, it, it was definitely you know we played together in Washington. It was definitely a pleasure uh, to see you play, and and actually you know to play against you as well because you made us play that much better. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate the compliment, and as you know, I have great respect for your game too. Um, having played with you in Washington, but um, you know I think that there's really only a few ways that you can play the game of football, and you know. The main thing you have to do is you have to play all out. 
and that's something that I always tried to do, and I was fortunate enough to do it for for a great, a good long period of time. Yeah, he, it, well, I, I had a chance to play with Larry. I don't know. I played with you and Larry, and I, I'm going to jump in there because I want everybody to know that this guy also has probably the highest vertical jump in the history of the NFL. You know, he's talking about a guy to go in the gym and, and, and 360 and take it down between his legs like Dominique. So, you know, this is the probably the best, one of the top five athletes I ever played with. That's a beautiful thing, man. You know, you know. I think the thing that's interesting when we talk to players, you recognize that from one player to the next, most of the time it's all done in a in a matter of respect. One player respects another player's game, and something about his game that he wish he had. It's just a, it's just a beautiful circle, man. To have athletes together and to have a a mutual respect for one another. And I know last time we talked, uh, you actually sent me a picture mail. Uh, of your Super Bowl ring down in New England, uh, could you just explain? Uh, I, I've never got, I never, I, I never got the opportunity to uh, to play in the big game. Uh, you, you played a long time, and uh, it, it was a great pleasure to see. It's, it's always a player that played a long time that you really want to see that worked hard enough uh, to finally get to that plateau. Uh, you know, we're a little biased when we see another guy get a ring. Like, man, how did he get a ring? But when, when I seen that you, you, you know, you got a ring, I, I was definitely excited for you, man. I, I shoot, I. I still got the the ring on my on my phone. I but look at it every see, now and then. You, <laughs> hey, the 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 glass and the flash didn't drown up. <laughs> could you could you explain? No, man. No, uh, you know it's a great honor, Mac. Uh, just being able to to fight so long and so hard, as a lot of people know in the uh, listening audience. I played a lot of years with the Cardinals, and you know having struggled out there through our tough times, and having the fans just kind of suffer with us. It was a uh, it was a grind at times, and. To have it uh, culminate into uh, winning a championship in my last year, man, I couldn't be more grateful and thankful uh, to to the man upstairs for for allowing me that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and Larry, this is Corey again. I, I just wanted to, to step in uh, and, and first of all, congratulate you. On, you definitely, I think those those words I echo the sentiments by by Mark uh, that you you clearly deserve the Super Bowl ring. But speaking of Super Bowls, you got the Cardinals this weekend. And, and they're going on and playing a football team. I just want to kind of get your take on what the keys to the game will be for them. Uh, do you feel like their secondary can handle an attack with Drew Brees uh, in terms of, especially after what Aaron Rodgers did to them uh, last weekend? Well, that's definitely a question for the uh, the numbers makers. But I think uh, looking at the Arizona Cardinals defense, what I, what I see, especially the secondary, what I see is I see a very enthusiastic group a group that is excited about playing the game of football. When you see them, they fly around and get really excited over some of the smallest successes. And whenever you have enthusiasm, man, I tell you what, look out, especially a young group of guys that's so talented. You know, you never know what can happen. Now, but to answer your question, on the other side of football, Drew Brees and his group has done a great job of picking defenses apart throughout the season. I mean, that's a change. I think the key to the whole defensive effort for the Arizona Cardinals will be strictly two words, pass rush. Yeah, and then you feel like docket will be a big key in terms of maybe pushing the inside portion of that of the pocket for them. Yeah, I mean, I think um, getting Drew B, Drew Brees off of his comfortable spot in the pocket will be key in this ball game. As everybody who's watched him this year has seen, Drew Brees does a great job of making plays on the move. Um, I think the Cardinals do have, give themselves the best opportunity to win if they can get keep him on the move even though he is as good as he is on the move. Well, in terms of the Cardinals' uh, playoff run from last year and even this year, 
a little bit more committed to the running game to kind of open up the pass. A great game by Warner last week, only 33 attempts with the 29 completions. But I kind of felt like they started off the game a little bit more committed to the running game, same philosophy they had last year. Do you feel like that will be something they need to continue in order to advance in this in the playoff run? Well, I definitely agree. Anytime you can establish balance in any phase of your game, I think you only give yourself uh, the best chance to be successful. Uh, whenever you get one-sided, these guys on the other side who are paid to diagnose other teams, they understand that you're one-sided, and they gear up on that side heavily. I think you must keep the opposing um, playmakers, play callers, on their heels and uh, keep them off balance. I think that's the only key. Uh, that's that's the greatest chance you have for uh, winning a ball game. That's my man, Larry Sanders. All pro, all world, all everything, all Cardinal. Hey, watch out, watch out. All Cardinal all the time. <laughs> hey, I, I've been to, I've been to the Cardinal Stadium a couple of times, and I, I see a lot of banners up there, but I don't I don't see thirty seven up there. I'm wondering, uh, it's coming. What, what, you know, what, you know, you know, we always joke around because you know when we play the game, that, that's our job, and, and we have a great deal of respect, like you say, for one another, but. Uh, Long overdue. Uh, you need, you know, you, the numbers should go up in in, in the new stadium. Uh, you should be getting recognition for the Hall of Fame because of what you've done. And if you talk to any player from our area, uh, they, there's, I guarantee, there's not a defensive player out there that's not going to say Larry Sims does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Hey, I appreciate that, man. But that's as the form of the media. That's you guys' job to to push that kind of stuff. You know, my work has been done. Uh, I won't get any more stats. Won't get any more passes. So. Hey, the hay is in the barn. They used to have a <laughs> it is all yeah, time, though. Anytime you say all time yeah, at all a specific time. position, all time. I mean, that, time. That, I think that kind of says it all. And like I said, but like I said, we definitely appreciate you coming in, and I'm, I'm, I push for you to go to Canton. Hey, I like to take a little credit for my man Mark Ingham running the Heisman because we did do a little push on hard hitting radio. And he ended hey, up well, the well, well, <laughs> we did a little push on hard hitting radio, but man, he you know it never you know I, I rock I rock a Cardinal jersey. I rock three seven down there in Ohio, so. Uh, definitely, like I said, it's always a pleasure. You've been always first class with me, man. Uh, looking forward to you to come down here to Arizona so we can get on that golf course. Oh, no doubt about it, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for allowing me to get on the air and uh, keep doing what you're doing. There you go. All, All pro. Right. Much love, Elsie. All world. All, right. All, right, man. All the time. Number 37 in your program. Number 37 in your hearts. But he was one hard dude to take down. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you talk about longevity. I mean, we 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 always mention that you had longevity. It's tough to play more than two or three years. That's the that's the lifespan in this league. And the biggest thing with him was that he was pretty much at the end of his career, the same athlete that he had been right, years right. earlier. And that and that's rare. That's real rare. He definitely used to bring it for sixty minutes, and uh, for sixty minutes we knew, like, man, the Cardinals, we may win the game. But we know that 37, he's going to be coming hard. What They could be down 30-something to nothing. <laughs> he's, still trying to run, he's still trying to run you over. So definitely appreciate Larry to call in. Uh, definitely appreciate our guest today. We've got my man Ray Knock from the University of Tennessee and from the other Cardinals, my man Corey Chavis of the Rams, the Vikings, and the Cardinals. Where he got to start at. And, you know, and even flourish even better uh, down in Minnesota. I was like, wow, see, Chavis, he didn't gain the step. <laughs> you know, you know he, he, he started picking off more balls. And, you know, he, he went from the corner back, back to playing safety. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was definitely, I was always watching because I know you're you, you were a fan of mine. And um, I respect any guy that, as we all know, to, to do the job that we do for, for 60 minutes. 
Uh, I look at some of the tape now and, and wonder, like, wow, how did I do some of that stuff it, with the size and speed of these guys now? But you did run four two eight now. <laughs> no, at least that's <laughs> hey, at least that's what my my record show at DraftNasty.com. <laughs> well, I had I had to be I had to be fast, you know. I had uh, you know going up against a lot of big receivers, so I had to actually be a little quicker than them. Like you said, you mentioned Michael Irvin uh, was definitely a, a physical challenge for me. Alvin Harper was another guy that they had. Uh, they were loaded. You know, the Cowboys were always loaded with, with explosives on the outside. And, of course, they had, you know, Emmitt Smith in the back in the backfield with gaping holes. With gaping holes. But let, let me ask you one question before before we go off, because I, I always wanted to know that. I was a big fan uh, early in the 90s when you when you guys probably had the best defense in, in the NFL, or arguably the best defense in the NFL. How much of a challenge was it knowing that you and Eric Allen and a lot of your defensive backs, would you going into the game, you knew – You'd be one on one because of the pressure packages that y'all brought. Uh, like uh, you know, God rest his soul, Bud Carson was our defensive coordinator. Uh, he put us in great positions. We had Reggie White on one side, Clyde Simmons, uh, Seth Joyner, God rest his soul, Andre Waters, who was in the middle. Everybody know him as Dirty Waters. Uh, Seth, you know, Wes, Wes Hopkins, who was every bit of six five, two hundred and fifty pounds, playing free safety. Uh, 48. Yes, Seth Joyner on one side, William Thomas on the other side. So our our, our time limit was was real short, and it, w- it was definitely a blessing because we knew like a couple of backpedals and the ball was coming out. Uh, you know, I had a I, obviously I got a lot of balls thrown my way because I, Eric Allen was at that time was was one of the best corners to play in the game along with Daryl Green and uh, you know Dishman and those guys. Uh, it was it was it was like it was like Christmas every Sunday. We knew. Uh, Reggie White was going to get there. Uh, after he get a sack, he's going to pray for the quarterback. Uh, we knew Andre Waters. His main thing was uh, if, if a guy runs, sometimes we were supposed to be inside coverage, and he, he'll literally tell me to let the guy come in here. He said, let that guy run the slant or the post. I'm going to knock him out, and you don't have to worry about no more inside routes. And, and that was the tempo of the game. Uh, that was our tempo playing against the Cowboys. And if you watch most of the games, you go back, Mark Irvin, they wasn't wanting no process and no dig routes. They were running that bang eight, mm-hmm. and they were running uh, you know the timing out route. But as far as the middle routes, if you go back and watch those games, he wasn't coming across that middle when when Andre Waters was in there. Yeah, and I and I think that and that's probably one of the big reasons why that may have been their best route to come back between Aikman and Irvin. Clearly, they had great timing on that route. And uh, you know we got big games this weekend. Uh, we got the Cardinals going down there in New Orleans. Uh, Drew Brees against the old Wizard. Kurt Warner is still getting it done. Uh, news that Bolden won't be playing, uh, but Doucette uh, definitely stepped it up. we got the music in the background. Uh, time goes by real fast, so uh, we're going to take this quick break. We'll be back with Corey Chavis, Ray Nock Thompson. To answer your questions, you can call in 888-346-9144. Ask questions to the former All-Pros, and even ask Corey what he got going on at DraftNasty.com. Get on the bus. He might be coming to a city near you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports in the spirit of have couch will travel dr carol lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it 
But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. You're listening to Hard Hitting Radio with Mark McMillan and Byron Evans. To get your voice in on the discussion, call right now, toll free to 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can get to Mark by email. Drop an email to Mark at MarkMcMillanSports.com. Now, back to Hard Hitting Radio. Back for round two of Hard Hitting Radio. I'm your host, Mark McMillan. Uh, my man B&E is on his... 14th anniversary with the wifey so big ups to my man if you're out there come on man Ray Knock in the house for me of Tennessee and Arizona Cardinals Corey Chavis with DraftNasty.com for me of the Cardinals Minnesota Vikings as well as the St. Louis Rams I got my man I got a caller on another SEC boy it's my boy what you got uh, caller on you out there Stacy? Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> That's my man, Stacy Harris, and he was our strong safety uh, down at Alabama, number one, always in the camera, always in the TV, still in my <laughs> interceptions and high-stepping like he prime time. What's going on, man? I just kind of wish y'all much love in 2010. Keep up the good work and roll tide. All right, man. <laughs> I, I definitely appreciate you. We got my man Corey Chavis from Vanderbilt. We got Ray Knock from Tennessee. So we got a whole little SEC mix going on. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing, man. Hey, congrats, man. I mean, you were number one, and, and y'all holding up that one now. So much <laughs> much props out to the, to the, to the tide. I'm not so quick to uh, congratulate Alabama. I, well, you know, I, I didn't expect that. It, you know, it runs it runs a little deep, you know, down there in Racky Top, and, and that's what. You know, we, <laughs> what happens if Cody? Well, I mean, but what happens though? Let's think about this right yeah, now. We've been we're talking, just about, talking about if, this. if Kiffin would he be at USC if Cody doesn't block that kick, and would you guys be talking roll tight? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know about hypothetically speaking, but considering we are number one, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we can go through a whole bunch of scenarios: uh, close games, close ball games, 
Uh, I'm sure on your national championship yes. run, y'all had a, y'all had a couple of close games uh, that you guys pulled out in the end, and and, and only uh, built you know built character, built you guys, and even uh, when you guys went to Florida State when you guys played down there, I was actually at the game with uh, JJ McCluskey and. Uh, it, it, I thought Florida State was going to give you guys a better game, but but knowing the uh, the strength and the power of the SEC, I, I still always tell people in the national championship game or when it really counts, if you got an SEC team on the field, Stacy's still trying to call in. Stacy, what you got? Go- he got <laughs> call waiting. He, he got call. He got call waiting out there. So uh, I, I definitely pick. My money always goes on any SEC team. Now I won't cheer for that other team down in Alabama. It, it starts with an A. That that's really deep. So we won't even think about that. We would just clip that bird. We just clip him, and we keep clipping him. So, Stacy, I'm here. How do you feel, man? When you're watching the game, what, what was going through your mind? I was. Uh, I just happened to have the pleasure of uh, sitting there, actually watching the game with uh, Saran Stacy. Uh, we all know his story and, and the trials and tribulations that he's he's been through. So, it was definitely, man, a moving experience. I haven't seen him since the tragedy. Uh, you were down there in uh, Alabama when all the stuff was going on. You were one of the guys that always kept me in focus, uh, kept me up to date on, on on his prognosis in the hospital when he was in the coma. Uh, it, it was definitely a, a different different feeling, and, and just to see him full of life, man, it, it was definitely a blessing. And and you know, we always talked about you and some of the thing that you uh, some of the things that you've done at Alabama. But uh, you know, you've always been a, a brother to me, and you know, Byron always uh, looks up to you as well. Every time we mention your name, you always talk about your white shoes on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I still got them. I still got them, and I'll be out there soon to wear. <laughs> yeah, you, hey, and you know you got a you got another you got a little one in the oven, so uh, you're, you're getting ready to be a father now. So congratulations on that. Uh, I'll be sending uh, some Alabama gear down there to the little baby number twenty six. We won't be wearing number one if you wear number twenty six in your heart. <laughs> Well, actually, 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 we got pom-poms, man. It's a little girl, so it's going to be daddy's little girl. Ooh, it's going down. It's going hard. <laughs> it's going down. <laughs> it's going down. So I definitely appreciate you calling in, man. I definitely appreciate all the support. And uh, tell tell the missus I said hello down there. All right, y'all keep it up, man, and God bless. All right, appreciate it. That was my man, Stacey Harrison. Always had my back on the field, even though we didn't have to have nobody's back because we had a mean front four and some mean linebackers. But in the SEC, you always have good – you have just good athletes at every position. Uh, a lot of people talk about the Pac-10 and their quarterbacks and their running backs, but uh, when you look on every NFL roster, um, from top to bottom, even, you know, people say, well, Vanderbilt, give me any team that, that go down there and and, you know, and play Vanderbilt, and they'll see, like, sh- they just as good as any other team. They hitting just like everybody else, and you got to be well-educated. Well, you better be well-educated because <laughs> you're not winning a lot of bowl games. <laughs> we did win a bowl game a couple years back in uh, Music City Bowl at home in Nashville, so that was big for us. Now, we we break down uh, the Cardinals and the, um, and the Saints. Uh, we talked about the matchup problems that, that both teams are, are going to uh, have for each other. We talked about the safety matchups, uh, Sharper. Uh, you got Wilson. When you spread the field out, uh, you played safety and corner. Um, what is what is your views on as far as them isolating the safety and, and and possibly making him cover cover one of the receivers? Well, I think one of the big things when you look at the Cardinals' attack is that they like to close down their formations uh, just from playing them twice a year. And when they close those formations down, it's pretty much a you have a two receivers on each side, and and they're kind of like in a stack look. And you've probably seen it before. He's in the gun, and it's tough for your cornerbacks if you play any types of zones to jam the outside receivers. 
So inevitably, if one of those guys either goes on a short cross or a straight to the flats, one of those guys will be vertical and create a one-on-one with your safety. And I think then it it, it depends on your linebacker's depth and zone coverages to protect them. And so if not, uh, there'll be a lot of double moves, which Atlanta kind of exposed New Orleans with earlier this year. Right. Raynock, what's your what's your take on uh, this week's matchup? Um, at first, I kind of wavered on my pick. I was kind of with the Saints cause, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because um, I, I said they still have, even though they finished the season off and they got, they, um, was resting their players. But mm-hmm. um, my pick has uh, got to be the Cardinals because I'm looking at what they're doing right now. They're playing some lights-out ball. Even though they gave up a lot of points mm-hmm. last week, but everyone knows you, you can get the Cardinals – a uh, different type of cardinal any any Sunday. So uh, basically, uh, it's just going to have to see what that front four is going to do so far as now I'm getting pressure without blitzing. Right. Uh, Drew Brees, what Adrian Wilson's going to do, how, what type of matchups he's going to um, be matched up with, if he's going to be matched up with Shockey or – or what what type of personnel they're going to have to put on the field. But they're going to – I think New Orleans is going to try to spread them out uh, and just try to see what they come with from there. So that I, I think that might be – you know, they talked about the Rams with the greatest show on turf. This this might be the greatest show on whatever the synthetic grass, whatever the grass they're playing on now. So it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, we have the Jets traveling down to San Diego. Uh, Ray Knox pick for, for a defensive player of the year, my man uh, Revis. Uh, we matched up against, uh, I think the young man is Jackson, uh, the top receiver for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, what this young man is able to do is, is, is isolate himself on one side of the field and uh, with Daniels running real well and, and, and Sproles, uh, you know, you got Antonio Gates. So it's a lot of, lot of matchups uh, when you get into the playoffs. It's a whole different ball game. There's, there's one matchup pretty much that they kind of target a guy pretty much if you want to say, and, and they try to go at that guy. Uh, how do you see the the Jets and the Chargers game playing out, Corey? Well, I think the one thing that has to happen is that the Jets have to be able to throw the football. I know everybody talks about their great ground uh, ground game, but I don't feel like they will be able to run the ball with the same effectiveness uh, because San Diego, when they were a Swiss cheese defense earlier in the season, kind of challenged themselves and have changed things around in terms of their overall running to the football. And I think that that has enabled them to create more turnovers the second half of the year. And, the, and and look at what they did against Chris Johnson when they went down to Tennessee a couple of weeks back, 42-17 to 17 victory. In that game, Johnson broke a late run and had one other run. But other than that, they contained him. And, and I don't really see the, the Jets having a breakaway threat at the back position without Leon Washington there. I know Sean Green and Thomas Jones both rotate well. Uh, but I, I see the Chargers shutting them down and Sanchez having to be able to throw the football, and we'll see what happens there. And, and he's like I said, he's got a, his main guy that he really relied, you know, trying to rely on is, is Braylon Edwards, who's who can't catch a cold in the ice bucket, butt naked. He's uh, been having his fair share of drops. Um, I just look at the matchups, you know, uh, San Diego with a standard package. They got those big receivers, Kelly and um, and they have uh. Jackson. Jackson. Mm-hmm. All those guys got good height on them. They're going to spread them out, uh, the standard personnel. And they look like they're coming out with a spread personnel with, like, they have a flush or queen's uh, personnel. But 
they just gonna spread you out and, that, and you'll have to line up your linebackers and see what you're gonna have to do from there. But I think that's gonna they're gonna have a real big problem trying to match up with San Diego. Every, everybody talks about the Revis Jackson matchup, but mm-hmm. Malcolm Floyd, the guy you were talking about a minute ago, you know, he's six foot five. He's really developed a lot this year. And I think he's going to be somebody that when you look at the other side of the Jets, they're probably gonna have their maybe Leo Shepard is gonna be on the other side. Right. I, I think you know, five foot nine, I mean and, and not only Leto Shepard, but you know, Dwight Lowry also right. comes in and, and you know, he plays some in the in the slot. So I just don't know that th- that is a good matchup for the Jets. So there we have it. My my pick is uh you know, the Jets were uh Definitely overachievers. Uh, you know, they got hot at the right time. They beat be the Cincinnati Bengal team that I really wasn't high on at, at any, anyway. Uh, they went in and took care of business and, and ba- mauled them. Uh, they basically uh, took them out of their rhythm, uh, took them out early. Uh, Ocho Cinco was no more Cinco. He was sitting there crying on, on the shoulders. Um, my sentiments go out to, uh, like my man uh, Canseco was talking about Mark McGuire, Ain't no crying in football. <laughs> nah, <laughs> ain't no you know, if you're going to talk to talk, you got to walk to walk. Uh, you know, it's an uh, emotional game, but everybody know uh, Chad Reed, uh, Chad Johnson. Uh, and and you, even, you even hit on it. Um, think he might be out of there this year. Yeah, I don't know that Chad Johnson will be back. I think when you look at the fact that uh, really the, the big thing that they're doing in Cincinnati is developing a new identity. It used to be a team that would throw it around the ballpark. Gooch Manzada's gone now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the late Chris Henry is no longer a part of their team. That might have been part of the reason why the emotions came out like they did from right. Johnson. And I feel like that you know this was probably the last – a true impactful year he had as a number one receiver. I mean, I'm not going to say he's in decline mode because he's still a good player, but uh, 72 catches, 1,047 yards. You're talking about a guy that went five straight years with 1,300 yards and suddenly just dropped off last year. And so um, this is the time of the career you got to keep your eye on Johnson. Is he now a number two guy? That's a big question. Nobody wants to be a number two guy after you've been the man and you didn't pull all kind of tricks and stunts and you proposed you proposed all kind of cheerleaders and I seen him even <laughs> driving up in the big rig. He's, he's driving that big rig right on out of Cincinnati, right on down to California. So there's another big matchup. Uh, you got the Colts uh, against the Red Hot Ravens. Uh, that, that's that's I don't, the Ravens. I'm sure the Colts are. You know, you got Peyton Manning, uh, who's who's obviously the, the best in the business. Uh, when when he's on fire, but uh, you got a young Baltimore team uh, with Ray Lewis playing real good, and those guys, uh, he just got those guys playing well at the right time, and uh, Ray Rice is, is running the rock very very well. Yeah, he is. I mean, Ray, I don't know what you think about this, but I thought the the loss of Ladarius Webb, this the rookie out of Nickel State, he ended up getting uh, an ACL, and he's out for the year. They were relying on him after having already lost Samari Rowe early in the season. And I hate to keep going back to the secondary play, but now you've got Chris Carr out there, the former Raider. You also have a, a guy to me, Dominic Foxworth, who's who's played well. I think he's played above expectations maybe. And, and then the other guys, Frank Walker, who was a physical player last week. Uh, but now that matchup becomes of <laughs> a, a, a paramount importance. Uh, how do they match up uh, with their receiving core? We're talking about Indianapolis. Right. And uh, we've all played against Peyton Manning. Uh, you actually went to school with him, uh, pretty much grew up with him down there in, in Tennessee. Uh, was definitely uh, a, a different quarterback to play against. And uh, it's going to be him against Ray Lewis. And uh, like I said, the, the Ravens defense is playing very well. Uh, Reed, uh, first game back last week, he got ended up with an interception. The guy is always around the ball. At, at the, He's always definitely living right. 
Uh, this guy is, is definitely a ball hawk. He will tackle. He will make plays. Um, Suggs is back from the injury that he suffered earlier in the year. He's playing great, great football as well. So uh, it's going to be a great matchup. A lot of people look at the past with the Colts sitting their players down the last couple of years. They uh, coming off the uh, the bye week. They 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 haven't won a game. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see how how the Colts come out and play this week. Yeah, definitely it is. Um, what's the seven straight wins for the Indianapolis coaches? Uh, the Ravens players going to have to put that in the back of their heads. So, uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough, you know, and. Um, Basically, I think the uh, Ravens is going to have to uh, use clock management, run Ray Rice, run Willis McGahee, and um, just try to burn the clock. But as you can see in the Miami game, time is not a factor to the Indianapolis Colts because right. they had the ball uh, minus 13 minutes that game, and they still found, found a right. way to win. But clock management is going to play a big role in whether or how they're going to uh, manage that uh, Indianapolis Colts offense. I don't think Indianapolis can stop Baltimore's running game, uh, but I think the key for Baltimore to run the football, you can't win another playoff game with 34 yards passing from your starting quarterback. Right. I mean, last year they had the reins on this kid who I feel like is a good quarterback, and he came along this year. Uh, But one guy that has to step up is Mark Clayton on the outside. Todd Heap has to get back involved this week, particularly in the red zone, because they've got to convert those opportunities if – uh, Clint Sessions and those guys come to play defensively. So I feel like that Indianapolis uh, will have to be able to stop the run on first down. And that, that's, that's something that uh, you know England, New England obviously wasn't able to do uh, straight out the gate. Uh, Ray Wish, he went 80-plus yards. So it'll be a different uh, different Indianapolis uh, team. I'm sure uh, Freeney and the, and the boys are looking at the chops and, and ready to prove uh, to everybody that, you know, later, you know, the, the downfall that they had later on in the season is not going to carry on to the playoffs. And uh, the big matchup, uh, the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> and, the, and the Dallas Cowboys. I, I'm not a Cowboy fan. But uh, and I would never cheer for the Cowboys. I'll say it here live. I I start off in that green, and we had some mean battles. So I would never cheer for that team down in Texas. We took care of one team in Texas. <laughs> we tackled one steer, but we couldn't get that other one. So uh, it's, it's going to be a, a definitely um, a, a big matchup. You play down in Minnesota. Uh, the crowd is definitely going to be a factor. Uh, Brett Favre. This is this is why you're here. Uh, this is what we brought you here for. This is why the, the, the they flew you here on your jet. This is why the the coach picked you up and put you in the front seat and and put the wife in the back seat. We want to win some games. Uh, they won. They went to the playoffs last year, so uh, there's a lot of pressure on number four. Um, you know to to get this to get this victory. And and the Dallas Cowboys defense is playing lights out. Well, I think the big thing for for me in this matchup, Mark, is uh is one thing, and that is. How loose will the Dallas Cowboys come in? If they come into the game and approach it the way they did the New Orleans game a couple of weeks back, the difference being what you mentioned, and that's the crowd. I had a chance as a, as a rookie to play a divisional playoff game against Minnesota. Same type of situation. They had won the division, and the people were expecting Super Bowl or bust. Atlanta ended up beating them to go on and lose to Denver. But I think that's the same situation Dallas is walking into and I don't know if they've seen this kind of noise on the road. Uh, what, what you're going to get in this, this is one of the loudest arenas in professional sports, period, come playoff time. <laughs> These fans are rabid, and I was just hoping to get one playoff game there at home, and we couldn't get it. But uh, I'm telling you, these fans are incredible fans. I, I have to give them their props. Tony Romo, down in Minnesota. He ain't got to worry about the weather, so that you know that's that's in his fact, that's in his favor. 
the offense has been moving the ball. Uh, Felix Jones is running running well. Uh, Barber's uh, you know running pretty good between the tackles. Uh, I'm not even going to mention the guy. What's Williams from Texas? Who's He's playing uh. well. <laughs> but he's even catching balls. Yeah, so, you know, when I well. seen that against the Eagles, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, Asante, you're, you're, you're going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, Brown, you're, you're not going to the Pro Bowl. Somebody's got to step up. And I was talking to Ray Ellis about this earlier and, and just talking about the demeanor uh, of, of McNabb as far as a quarterback. I'm always uh, in his corner, but as a player, I just didn't see the passion. Uh, I didn't see anybody step up on either side of the ball, offense or defense. And you know, getting getting these guys face and say, "Hey, this is this is for the money. This is for the ring." Well, well, I tell you what, and Rain, I like for you to chime in. I want to hear what you've got to say about this. I thought that any time what happened when you talked about the Jets earlier, they they had already beaten Cincinnati thirty-seven to nothing. Everybody said they were going to Cincinnati the next week. It'd be a different story. There was no difference in down in Dallas. Right. You had just flown there the week before. And you got shut out for the NFC East title. Right. It was the game was won the next week then. Right. And so I don't think that there was any any doubt about that. I mean, when they got on the plane, they knew they were going to lose. You know, you can't reverse that as a coach. Andy Reid would have had to uh, be a miracle worker to make his team believe they would win after being shut out for right. the NFC East title the week before. I just don't see that in a game that really meant meant something. It was playing for something. So right. it, was, it was just. Um, it's just a poor effort all the way around. But they're a young team. They have uh, young core guys around McNabb, so uh, they still can look forward to. Uh, but he's not necessarily year. getting any younger, and, and they've got Kevin Cobb behind them. And I mean, I, I don't know. I just didn't like the way the season ended for McNabb. Right. I'm like you. I, I'm a big McNabb fan. I love him as a uh, as a quarterback and as a, and, and to me, what he's done uh, for black quarterbacks right. overall in his career, but. Right. Uh, that that didn't look good last weekend, and neither and, and the week before didn't look good either. And yeah. you know, with him signing a new deal in the off season, uh, obviously Reed signing his new deal, and that's his guy. You know, McNabb is Reed's guy. Like you said, you got Cobb who uh, stepped in very good when uh, McNabb was hurt. Uh, Michael Vick, uh, you know, he's still trying to get the dog leash from around his neck. Right. And that, uh, <laughs> so that's that's a whole other story. Uh, he's got a five million dollar tag on him. Uh, they don't know exactly what they're going to do for him, but. Uh, McNabb seemed like he got old quick and seemed like he was moving in quicksand or, or the Cowboys was moving that fast. So, like I said, it, it's not a good sight. Uh, I don't get a good feeling about uh, what's going to go on for as far as next year. But, like I said, I, I definitely got a great deal of respect for that young man uh, as far as, you know, playing the quarterback position, which is one of the toughest positions to play, not only being uh, in Philadelphia, but uh, following in the footsteps of the African-American quarterback as Randall Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was definitely, uh, you know, hard shoes for him to feel. And every year they're in the playoffs. So a lot of people say McNabb, he's, he's this, he's he's not that good. But uh, I guarantee there's a lot of coaches that wish they had that problem of going to the playoffs every year. Yeah, and I'll tell you something. That I, you know who I compare his career to is is another um, African-American quarterback who played, and that's Doug Williams. He right. bounced around a little bit, even went on to the USFL after playing with Tampa Bay early, was a first, high first-round pick. And then – Later in his career, backing up uh, Jay Schrader, takes his job and wins the Super Bowl and, and goes on to win the MVP. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Philadelphia doesn't realize what valuable prize they have in McNabb. He goes somewhere else and maybe wins a Super Bowl. I, I see him winning a Super Bowl before he retires. And I might point out a city. It might be Chicago. That that was in the in the runnings uh, years back when when he when his deal was up. Uh, you know they got Cutler down who were just throwing interceptions all over the field. 
uh, who's definitely not getting the, getting the job done. They played this guy a lot of money. Uh, they didn't get the offensive coordinator that they thought they were going to get to go down there and help this young man out. So uh, that's home from, for, uh, you know, for McNabb. Uh, like we said, uh, when Randall left our organization, a lot of people were you know, like, hey, get him out of town. But we struggled. Uh, Randall went on to Minnesota to break more records. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in the Hall of Fame in my book, as well as uh, a lot of people around the world's book. Uh, definitely a class act, and uh, had a chance to go to the Super Bowl too. Was real close when he won the MVP that year. Yeah, so. it was was real yeah. close. You know, one game away uh, from from going to the Super Bowl, and like I said, you never know what you miss until it's gone. So mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, McNabb can finish on on a positive note. Uh, like I said, Cobb is stepping in well, but uh, like I said, this is a big week. Uh, it's a big couple of couple of games uh, that, that's on tap this weekend, and. Uh, we got our picks in, and uh, we're just excited. We're just going to sit back. Hopefully you'll be in town. Maybe we can watch the game on the bus. Oh, yeah, that would be great. And let everybody know again what you got going on. Uh, so if anybody's out there wondering what Corey Chaves and uh, Ray Knock is doing now. Well, we can do it. DraftNasty.com. Again, I uh, appreciate uh, Mark having us on. Uh, pretty much an independent draft uh, draft site that, that's on the Internet, available uh, with a lot of good content. Uh, we've gone around the entire season, and, and we've scouted between five and seven college football games in person per week. And we do a lot of scouting at home and on various campuses throughout the uh, the country. We're a daily uh, video journalistic website. And one of the big things that we concentrate on is finding those hidden gems. I mean, we just uh, were at the HBC, HBCU Bowl, the first annual historically black college uh, bowl game uh, down in Montgomery, Alabama, just a couple of weeks ago on December the 19th. A lot of big-time talent down there that a lot of people haven't heard about. So uh, we try to find the hidden gems as well as those stars that you know about uh, upcoming in the 2010 NFL Draft. And we'll be down at Senior Bowl next week doing some coverage for the NFL Network. So that's my man Corey Chavis. Check him out. Check his website out at Draft nasty.com we definitely appreciate him and Ray Knock being in the studio today uh, I'd like to thank my son for sitting in again for playing his PlayStation who never want to get on the mic who's not real happy with the Kiffin hiring down there at USC he was a Pete Carroll guy you know went to all the went to all the practices uh, got to know some of the players real well my man Ken Norton who's got the job down there's linebacker coach for the Seahawks uh, definitely proud to uh, see him get you know move up the ranks uh, thank my partners at work today. My my partner Sally, she's out there. She made me some brownies today at work, and they still on my stomach. So I definitely appreciate <laughs> that, Sally. I had to give you a shout out. So, like I said, I definitely appreciate the the callers that called in today. My man Larry Sinners, uh, definitely appreciate him calling in. Stacy called in as well. Uh, Corey Chavis, check him out at draftnasty.com. dot com. We about to go get on that tour bus. Maybe watch some direct TV. Maybe get some hot waves, watch the game tomorrow. So <laughs> tune in to our show next week at hardhittingradio.com on Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. That's another show. Thanks again for joining Mark McMillan and Byron Evans for Hard Hitting Radio. Come back and we'll do it again next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Put them up, tighten up. We some hard hitters. Mark McMillan, my man Byron Evans. He give you for peace in the tune every Friday evening. Ain't nobody leaving. If you sports and feeling, we're bringing the cutting Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.